Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Good morning, good morning. Good to see you guys this morning. Welcome to church. Come on. Yeah, great to see you guys. And we're excited that you are here. Becca's going to be up here with me this morning. And if I haven't met you, uh, my name is Samuel, and I honestly would love the opportunity to meet you. So just hang out a little bit after service and, and say hi. That'd be, that'd be fun. Um, real quick, before we dive in, we have had, over the last couple of weeks, there's been a, a few issues with our online streaming. Uh, we think we've got them worked out and kind of going it, to... It, it's computers, so you fix one thing, and then it's not the thing, and it's this and that, but we, we think we've got it. Um, so our, our prayer is now that we would be consistently good instead of consistently inconsistent with where it's going and what it's been. Um, as always, if you're looking for a message, uh, the most consistent place that you are going to find it is our podcast. It, it's there. You can get back at that. So like, like last week, we were talking about circumcision. And if you missed that, it's in the podcast. I so know. It's been really sought after. Um, <laughs> it was more than circumcision. That's just the funny part if you missed it. But anyways. Uh, but we're actually, we're in a series uh, going through Ephesians. And we've been looking at Ephesians, and Ephesians is an, is an extra fun book of the Bible. Uh, the, the Bible, as always, and we say this every week, it was authored by God but written by man. As, as the Holy Spirit guided man, man wrote it. One of the people that wrote, you know, the, the Bible was written by over 40 people, over 1,500 years. But Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, again, authored by God but written by man. So Paul wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to a group of new Christians, and if you've never heard of something before, and then you become one of those things, you might wonder, what am I? Okay? So if, you've, if, if aliens landed, we'd be like, we know nothing. What are they like? What are they about? Like, what, what, what's going on here? Well, well, Paul is making known, he's unpacking, like, really, what does it mean to be a Christian? What, what is this supposed to be? So we're kind of going through here. And we looked, like I said last week, at circumcision. And that was a sign of the covenant. We said, well, the bottom line is this, that external conformity is not what God wanted, but internal surrender expressed in our life. It's that, that's what it is. And, and we began to kind of unpack some of that. Well, today we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, open them up. And baby, you want to start us yeah, off? Yeah, let's pray. Uh, Lord, Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and we just thank you for this beautiful morning, this time together in your presence. And Father, I just thank you that um, as we share, that your Holy Spirit would be guiding our mouths, guiding what we say. And I thank you, Lord, that what we receive would not just be information, but that it would be revelation that leads to transformation in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Ephesians 3 verse 1 says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you. That was a, a lot right there. But what it's saying is Paul is talking about the fact that he is a prisoner. And at the time that this is happening, Paul is actually a prisoner of the Roman government. So he's under house arrest, very physically under house arrest. And during the day, he's allowed to go walk around 
within the house as he sees fit. But at night, he was actually chained to a Roman guard to make sure that he would not escape before his trial was held. But what I love about this is that even though Paul is a very literal prisoner to the Roman government, what he says here is he says, listen, I'm actually only a servant of Jesus Christ. And I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He is the one that is holding me. He is the one that has me. And then he goes on to say he is a prisoner for you. He's talking about the Gentiles. He knows that in his life he is being given a position and there is a four in his life. And that four here is the Gentiles. We have in our lives, in the different places that we hold, in the different positions that we have, you and I have a four in, in serving the kingdom. Sometimes that's people Sometimes that's things, but we have a four. And so as we continue to talk about Ephesians today, I want you to keep at the forefront of your mind what your four is. Come on. And I'm going to read from that second verse from the NLT version. And it says it this way. Assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. This was his four. He's like, it's for the Gentiles. He's like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, I, I grew up in a, in a pastor's home. Um, I was actually born in Idaho while my parents were missionaries in Mexico. My older brother was born in Mexico, and he had Mexican citizenship. And so whenever my mom and dad would come back to the States from Mexico, they'd be like, why, are, why do you have a... Like, like, you can't be here long term, but yet you have, your, your son's a Mexican citizen. Like, what's going on? And they're like, we're not doing that again. So I was actually born in the States in Idaho, but my parents were missionaries at the time. And so I grew up missions, and then when we were three, my, my dad moved back to Michigan and, and began to pastor a church here. And missions and church was just like, this is, this is, this is awesome. This was my life. Um, my older brother was three years older than me. Uh, when he would turn 12 years old, he's like, I... I, I want to go to Mexico. My parents are like, sweet, we know some people there. Um, they'll pick you up at the airport. So they put him on a plane and, and send him to Mexico, and he spent the summer in, in Mexico doing some missions work. So when I get a little bit older, I'm like, I might want to, like, like, like maybe missions. Like, I, I should explore some missions. So um, I, raised, I raised a couple thousand dollars, and I joined, uh, there was a group at the time, Team Mania. Anybody remember Team Mania out there? Okay, come on. And, and they were taking, they take thousands of teenagers every summer all across the world on these little missions trips. So I signed up for one of them, and I went to uh, Venezuela. So we get down there, and we're, we're doing skits uh, um, to, to music, and the music, I don't, I don't know Spanish, uh, but, but, but. The soundtracks would, would have the message in it, and then afterwards, we would give altar calls, and we would pray with people through a translator. And we saw some really, really cool stuff happen. We saw lots of people uh, get saved. We saw, we saw miracles. Um, one person I remember in particular that I prayed for was, was blind. And, and, like, the one eye was, like, like milky white, and, and it had, like, a red, a red line in it. And I remember... We prayed for him. I remember exactly where I was, and there's this, like, old basketball thing that we were standing in underneath, and I remember all of this. And, and we pray for him, and I take my hand off, um, and we're looking at, at his eye, and as we're looking at his eye, I can see the red line begin to disappear, and, and God restores his sight. And we just saw some really cool things happen. And 
it really changed the lives, not only of the, of the people that we went to minister to, but in so many of the teenagers that were on the trip. That at, at the end of this month, um, we're all getting ready to, to kind of come back. And there, there's a bunch of us. There's a couple, couple hundred of us uh, teenagers plus all of the, the adults that it took to kind of do that safely and, and, and well. And all, all, everybody's talking like, where, where are you going to go next year? And the, the kind of consensus from our bus and group that we were on was they were going to go to Africa for two months the next year. And I remember one of, one of them came up to me and was like, Samuel, are you coming? And I go, no. No, I'm, I'm not going. And, and they're like, oh. And so they just kind of go off and talk to somebody else. Well, our group leader, our MA is what it was called, hears that I'm not going, I, I don't want to come back next year. And so he comes up to me and he's like, hey, um, is something wrong? Like, like that you're not, you don't want to come next year? Like, are people being mean to you? Um, I had just made the age cutoff uh, to, to go on the trip. I was, I was one, of the, one of the smaller, younger, younger kids. And he's like, are people being mean to you? Is that why you don't want to come? I'm like, yes, they're being mean, but no, I don't really care. Like, like that's, that's not it. That's not my reason. And he's like, well, why, why don't you want to come then? Why, why are you not wanting to come back? And I, and I told him, I said, well, I'm here, but my church back home, for me to come here, I'm missing... The, the two weeks of church camp that I normally go to and I help out at. And then during the week, I, I help at my church every Sunday and Saturday and Wednesday, and I'm missing, I'm missing that, and that's where, that's where I should be. And he looks at me and he goes, so is anybody being mean to you? Like, why are you not coming back? And I'm like, no, no. Um, my thing, my four, was a local church, and I knew it. No, I love missions. Um, I have supported missions. Uh, person, we, we support missions and missionaries and the church support missions. We have family that are missionaries. We, we, like, like, yes, absolutely. But my four, like me, my heart was like, no, it's the local church. I loved, I had a great time. I watched God use me and move me and help to define who I am and really just set some things in motion for the rest of my life. But you want to know what? I'm like, I'm not going back. <laughs> Like, and and I, was, I was the opposite. So um, when I went to college, I had to finish up my biology degree, and one of the things that was left was um, a safari to Africa. And I was like, oh, you know, I could finish up my biology degree with a safari. But the professor that was taking us on the safari tacked on to the end of that. He said, well, we're also going to do missions. And so that was part of what was going to happen. And for me, I was really excited about the safari portion. Um, but we got to Africa and I fell in love. I fell in love. And I actually, before I met Samuel, thought that that was going to be what I did for life. Because I went and I was like, oh, my heart does beat for this. And one of the really cool things about that is Samuel and I are married. Many of you know that. Um, and we do not live in Africa. <laughs> we, we live right here in Michigan. Um, but I can still have a heart for missions. And he can still have a heart for the things that God has put into him. And one of the really cool things is if you think about a car, the purpose of a car is to take you from point A to point B. Everything in the car is meant to move forward. But every single part of the car has a different purpose. So your wheels are meant to get you going forward. And your turning, your turning, your steering wheel, your <laughs> steering wheel is meant to turn you right or left. And we can have the same overarching mission to build the kingdom and carry that out in different ways. Oh, absolutely. You know... Here, here's the thing. You have a four, like, like Becca said. You have a reason. You have a four that you're here. 
But understand this. The devil is not a creator. He's a perverter. He's never created anything. God is the creator. The devil's a perverter. Uh, for example, lust is the perversion of love. Um, drunk is the perversion of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says don't be drunk, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you have been given a passion, but the devil wants to pervert that. That passion is put inside you. You're, you're like, man, this is what I, and, and I don't know what it might be. Maybe, maybe for you, you're like, you just have a passion for the lost. And anytime you hear about an unchurched people group or you hear about somebody that's just like, they haven't really heard about God or somebody that, that man, people share with them all the time, but no one's got through them. And to you, you're like, I could get to them. I could. Like, I'm ready. Send me. Like, your bag is already packed. You're like, I've got this. I'm ready to go. Or maybe for you, it's the local church. And you're like, this is what it needs to be. And, and we need to do more of this. Or, or it could be orphans. And for you, it's like, man, just, just, just. There's so many, and we, we need to do something, and I can do more, and you're just like, i got to adopt this one and that one, and 20 from over here, and when that country opens up, and, and we're going to do this, or, or maybe for you, it's, it's, just, it's just like, there's, there's people, it's the needy, and your heart just breaks and bleeds for the needy, and it, and it just does. You're like, man, I could do more, and you could do more, we could do, and what could we all do, and, and this is it, or, or maybe for you, it's, it's those in the homosexual community that you're like, man, that, the deceit, they, they need Jesus more than, than so much and what, what's happening. And so your heart, your heart just breaks for them. Or maybe, maybe it's single moms or, or politics. And you're like, man, we need Christians. Yes, we do. We yeah. need some Christians in politics. But whatever it may be, you've got a four. Maybe I mentioned it, maybe I didn't. But here's what the devil wants to do. The devil wants to pervert the passion that God has given you. And here's what he does with it. Is one... One thing is he wants you to get mad because other people don't bleed for what you bleed for. Mm -hmm. He wants you mad because they don't think about orphans at 2 o'clock in the morning and wake up and pray, but you do. And you're like, but you should. And you, 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 you don't do that? And they're like, no, I, I don't. I sleep. And you're like, well, at 2 o'clock, I, I, I'm praying. And this is this. He wants you to get mad at somebody else at the church, at other Christians, because they're not like you. And the opposite is this, is instead of getting mad that others don't do something, you instead get hurt and feel like nobody values your contribution because they don't care about the same thing that you do. And because they don't care, you feel that you don't feel valued, so you're like, well, fine, then I won't do anything if you don't care. I mean, they need people, and then they're there, and I see it, and you don't, so I'm just going to say, don't bring here, and that's just fine, you don't have to, and that's just okay, and I'll be fine. You'll be fine, and no, no, no one will do anything. No. But what it is, is the devil is trying to pervert the passion and the, the care that you have into a place where you don't do anything. You know, um, I'm going to read here from 1 Corinthians. This is 1 Corinthians 12. It says this, it said, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. 
Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. You know, when Samuel and I went to launch the church with our team in, in Allendale, in West Michigan, people are like, well, there are so many churches in West Michigan. And we said, yeah. But when we looked at the demographics of the area, what we found was if every single church in West Michigan was filled to 1,000 people, there would not be enough churches for all of the people in our communities. But one of the things I found that is a little bit frustrating about all of the choices that we have is the fact that it's easier for people who are the feet to say, you know what, I'm in this church and I love to move, I love to go, and everybody here is just, you know, nobody else wants to go. There are hands here, there are mouths here. And so what they do is they'll go and they'll be in a church with all feet. And then the mouth is like, I want to preach the gospel. I want to share the word of God. And they're like, but, but, but here people are always wanting to go. They're wanting to go. And so I'm going to go be a part of a body that's all preaching the gospel. And then somebody else says, well, I see so clearly what's wrong. I see what's happening. I have this discernment. But here people are preaching the gospel and they're going. And, and I got to go be with the other eyes. But just like this scripture says, if we are to take all of our gifts and say, okay, this is the church for the eyes, then that church won't do anything. If we say this is the church for the hands, then they won't see anything. They won't share the gospel. And we are meant to do the hard work of being the body. Where we say, you know, it's uncomfortable to be one of only two eyes. But the body needs two eyes. It's uncomfortable to to be one of only two feet, but the body needs the feet. Because when we all function together in our gifting, that is when the body moves and speaks and does exactly what God created it to do. We resist the tendency to say, well, they don't think, they don't see the exact way that I do, so so I'm going to step away. No, no, no. We just say, okay, that's that's your four. That's your call. You're just a little bit different. Galatians 2. Verse 7 says this, instead they saw that God has given me, Paul, responsibility of preaching to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. He's like, we just all had, we had different things that we were doing. Like this was super important. And this is what God laid on my heart. Verse 8, for it's the same God who worked through Peter as the apostles to the Jew who worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. He's like, we're, we're all serving God. We just have different parts. We have different things. And not everybody is going to be as excited about what you are excited about. I remember uh, I just got out of, out of Bible school and I was, I was interning um, at, at Res Life in Granville and, and I'm doing some youth stuff and the pastor came up to me and he's like, this is what I want you to do. I was like, okay, what? He's like, and he casts this vision, he talks to me about this youth bus ministry. He's like, we're going to get like 50 or 60 homes, and the youth are going to go to the homes on Wednesday night before youth, and they're going to hang out in these homes, and we're going to send vans and buses to these houses to pick them up and bring them to youth and then bring them back when they're done. And he's like, and I want you to head this up. And I was like, that sounds amazing. He talks to me about it. I'm like, this, this sounds awesome. I started looking at some things. And I was like, this, this is awesome. I get super excited about it. So I started telling people about this thing that I'm excited about. And I'm like, this is what we're going to do. And it's going to be awesome. And then kids are going to do this. And this is going to be a result over here. And they're going to have people in their life. And this is going to be, I mean, you need to come to this. This is going to be great. And I, and I schedule a meeting. I'm like, okay. So all these people that I told about, it, I'm like, here's when we're going to do it. You can come be a part. So I schedule the meeting. And I'm filling out this little form because I got I to have the room available. I'm like, I need the room. And they're like, well, how many chairs? I'm like, 50. 
And they're like, do you need food? I'm like, yeah, lots, for 50, right? Like, yeah, of course we're going to need some food. And like, okay. And we set the time, and I'm like, oh, this all looks great. So then um, day comes, and we go, we go, to, the, we go to the meeting, and, and I get there early because if you're, if you're on time, you're late. I'm sorry, but you're, you are late. Um, like that's just, so, so I get there early, and, and I'm like there 15 minutes in advance, and no one is there. And I'm like, but that's okay, because I'm here early, and I'm running this, this, this thing, and that's, that's great. And then about 10 minutes, and no one's there yet. And I'm like, okay, so there's not many Dutch people here today. This will be interesting, okay. And then like five minutes beforehand, I'm like, well, that's interesting. There's still no one. And then meeting time comes, and the room is empty. There's nobody there. There's zero. I wait 15 minutes and I'm like, is, is this the wrong room? Like, am I in the wrong spot? I'm like, the food is here. I've been eating for 12, 30 minutes now. So I walk out. I'm like, nope, there's the sign pointing to the right spot. And I, I, I go to Pastor Scott. like, hey, um, nobody. He goes, how did it go? I go, I ate a lot of food. He goes, what? I go, nobody showed up. But he just laughs. He laughs at me. And he's just like, no. they didn't catch your vision. And I'm like, yeah. I thought just because I was excited about it, everybody else would get excited about it. Nobody got excited about it. Zero. That thing died, by the way. Zero people got excited about it. Just because I was passionate, it, that, 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 that's not it. I didn't find people, but you want to know what? Just because somebody else is not passionate about what you are passionate about, don't write them off. Don't resist to get mad at them and don't get hurt and feel like what you're doing is not valuable. Can I, can I go to the next yeah, one? Yeah. All right. All right. So here's the thing I love about this. It was the same God. So in Galatians. It says it's just the same God that's working through us both. If we keep reading in verse 9, it says this. In fact... James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift that God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. And they encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. They're like, we're going to do ours. This is what God has called us to do. This is great. This is what God's called you to do. You do that. We'll do this. Like, this is, this is it. Like, you, just, you go do that. And if you do not know... If you're like, hey, I'd love to know my four, um, I can help you with that. Number one, here you go. Start where you are. Because mm -hmm. here, here's what happens is very often, very often when we hear people talk about God's calling, when we hear people talk about, um, hey, God's put something in you, you're gifted and talented to do something, we, we, get, we get the pie in the sky idea. And that puts us in like a holding pattern where we sit and we're like, well, until God tells me how to start the nonprofit that's going to change the entire world, I'm not going to do anything. We get this idea of, well, I don't know exactly what to do. I don't have a clear, like, huge, this is what would be the next step and how I could get in 27 different schools inside the state in the next three weeks. So instead, I'm going to sit here. 
You know, John 10.10 10 tells us that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I think sometimes as Christians what we can do is we can say that he is stealing or killing um, space or territory. And I think, man, he doesn't have to steal something that we're not stepping into. If we're not occupying a space that God's told us to occupy, Satan doesn't have to do anything but step into it. I think so often of those... Um, uh, their raffles or something, you go to an event and they say, you must be present to win. And I look at God and I think he is asking for our availability. He's asking for our availability. And what he says is he says, here's something I have for you, but you must be present to win. You must be present to step into it. And so often we pass things off as Satan stealing from us, but really we never held it in the first place. And so we have to take what God is giving us, as little as that may seem, and we have to say, I'm going to step into this. I'm going to occupy this space. I'm not going to let Satan steal, kill, or destroy it. I uh, think about my garden. And in my garden, I plant plants. But if I go out there and I just leave it be and I don't fill space with something good, if I don't tend to it, then the weeds will come up right? And I have to tend that. We have to tend the gifts and the, and the opportunities God has given us. In Matthew 25, there is the parable of the three talents or the three servants. And what happens is a master comes and he has three servants and he says, I'm going away on a trip, but I want you guys to take care of what I'm leaving behind. And so he says to the first one, hey, here are five bags of money. I want you to take care of this. And then the second one, he says, here are two bags of money, take care of us. And the last one, he gives one bag of money to. And he leaves, and a while passes, and he comes back. And the one who had given five bags to says, oh, you know, here, here are the five bags, and I made you five more. And he said, good, man, good and faithful servant. And the one with two said, hey, here are the two. I, I gave you, I, I, I'm giving you the two back, but here are two more. And he says, good and faithful servant. And then the one who had won said, I was afraid to lose what you had entrusted to me. And so I didn't, I didn't invest it. I didn't use it at all. Here's, here's the one. Here's the thing that you, that you gave me. And he says, wicked servant. He calls him wicked because he didn't use what little he was given. And we might think that what we have to tend, that what we have to contribute isn't anything but to God, it is so important what we do with it. That we say, you know what, I, I really want to default to doing nothing because I don't want to look like a fool. I don't want to look foolish. I don't want to look, I don't want to embarrass God. And he says, no, just do something with it. Um, we were in Africa a, a couple of weeks ago. And for a message that I was doing, I had a skit that I thought would really be impactful for the kids who were attending the conference. And so we had taken some of our teenagers with us. And I said to them, I said, hey, tomorrow we're going to do this um, little illustration. And I need you guys to get up on stage and dance. And they were both like, oh, we don't dance. And I said, no, 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 I know, but I, I just, I need, I need you to do it. And, and they were like, we really don't want to, but okay. And they said, yes, we, we will. And so what I did is I had a dance competition. And so I brought up um, Nick, one of our youth leaders. I brought him up and I said, Nick, you're going to do a dance. And then the other two are going to copy you. And so that was going to be great, except what I did is I blindfolded one of them. 
And so all the boys had to do was copy what Nick did, and it illustrated the purpose that if we can't see what somebody's doing, if we can't experience what they're doing, it's hard to copy them. If we can't see what God's doing, it's hard to copy them. And so the boys got up there, and they did a phenomenal job. And I mean, the kids who were attending the conference were like, that was hilarious. And later, when I asked the kids, I said, you know, what was your favorite part of the conference so far? They said, well, when Nick and the boys got up to dance, they said, what I realized is if I'm not seeing what God is doing, if I'm not looking for it, if I have blindfolds on, I, I can't copy it. And I thought, listen, those boys maybe weren't in their niche of exactly where God is going to use them for their life. But they said yes, and even in their discomfort, God used them. God uses you, even your discomfort, with your yes, and so default to yes. Absolutely. I like saying it this way. Be more afraid of doing nothing than doing the wrong thing. It's like, like riding a bike. You can look at that thing, but if you don't actually go somewhere on it, you will never learn how to ride, whether it has pedals, it's a balanced bike, whatever, whatever it is. Like, you've got to be moving. So be more afraid of doing nothing. If you're taking notes, write that down. Be more afraid of doing nothing than of doing the wrong thing. If you're not taking notes, write that down. <laughs> Be more afraid of doing nothing than of doing the wrong thing. God does not need you to be his PR person. Mm -mm. He is not afraid of you embarrassing him. Mm -mm. Have, like, God has a sense of humor. Have you ever seen the platypus? That is a weird, weird <laughs> thing. Like, it, it's, a, it's a duck, is it? What in the beaver weird <laughs> thing is? It's just so weird. God has a sense of humor. He, he's going to be okay. God wants you. Don't be afraid. So number one, what do you do? Is you start right where you are. If you don't know what that thing is, Start right where you are, which, number one, you're in church. So it's a great place to start. Get on the dream team, begin serving somewhere. And even if you just start serving and you're like, I know this is not the spot, great. Now you know, don't do that. Kids are not your thing. Get away from them. That's okay. Like, maybe like, I, want, I do not want to be, I should, just put me behind the scenes. I can do some tech stuff. I can, I can do some online thing. I can help this over here. Do it. Absolutely. So number one, start where you are. Physically, you're here. Number two is you do not need anything to change for God to begin to use you. Yeah. You're like, well, all I do is stay home. Great. You've got home. You get to pray over that place, yeah. and you get to make that a peaceful place that anybody that comes into your home walks in and is like, holy cow, this is a place of peace. We've, we've been looking at... Uh, we were looking to move for a very long time, a uh, very, very long time. We looked really hard, like really hard for about six years. And we would walk into some houses, and you walk in the house, owners are not there, and you just walk in, and you're like, this place has a bad spirit. Mm -hmm. You just walk in. One house, I remember we walked in, and one of our boys, Jono, is just like, this has a weird feeling. This place is bad. He, 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 he just, there was, there was a, a presence in that place. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I agree. But my son picked up on it. We walked in other houses, and it's just kind of neutral. Don't get me wrong. But then, and, and no lie, we, we walked, and it just happened to be one of the ones that we actually bought. One of the ones. The one. Anyway. 
<laughs> One of the ones. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing <laughs> it out there. Anyway, that came out weird. But we, we walked through this house, and Becca and I both, we looked at each other, and we're like, this house belongs to some, to some spirit-filled, word-believing, faith-talking Christians. We go downstairs. We're looking. There's a little desk. And you've got a Bible and a couple commentaries and some stuff up there. And I'm like, they're not dusty. It had a different presence. We met the owners. And it just, it all lined up. Let me just say this. If all you do is stay at home, God can use you right there. Maybe he uses you in the home. I say all you do. As if it's so little, but it is. <laughs> Becca's gone for a week. But anyway. <laughs> You've got neighbors. Yeah. Let me pray and say, God, you know, I see that lady with the dog that poops in my yard every day. Is there an opportunity for me to reach out to her and just encourage her? God, do you have something that you want me to say? Maybe you know that house a few doors down and you don't know the people, but they've got the blue door, so you call them the blue door people. And you're just like, God, Use me right where I am. Can I go encourage them? Give me something to say and I'll do it. And don't worry, like, what if I look funny? We all look funny. It's okay. You're like, well, I just, I, I've got a clock and I punch in and I punch out. God can use you right in that job. You do not need to change anything. You do not need to change anything. We all have a different part that we play. Value your part. And seek after God. Yeah, you don't have to add anything to what you already have, to what you already know. I think often in, particularly in the American church, what we can do is we can say, well, I just need to know a little bit more. I need to read another book. I need to glean more information. And um, I don't know if you've ever seen, it's a show about people who are a thousand pounds plus. And, and they've consumed and consumed and consumed and they finally get to a point where they can't walk, they can't take care of themselves because they aren't working off what they consumed. And the word tells us to be doers of the word, not just hearers. And so you don't have to read another verse of scripture today to be able to do something for God. You don't have to read another book today to be able to do something for God. You can literally just say, with what you've given me now, even if you were just saved this morning, God will speak to you. He will give you ways to work off the spiritual things you've been consuming in the word so that we aren't just hearers only. He says in his word, he says, if you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. And what we find is the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. So as we, as we take that step, he gives us that next step. And please do not fall into the trap of there is secular and there is Christian. And I have my like, this is what I do to get by life, but then this is my Christian thing. It's, it's one and the same. It's one and the same. It's God, use me right where I am, and he will. It's not, well, now I punch the clock at work, so he's not going to, you know, I just have to do this. No, God will use you right where you are if you pray. If you pray. The next verse, Ephesians 3, 3. Paul's writing, he says, How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery. What Paul's talking about, you know, 
Paul, the author of much of the New Testament, I'd author half. I would, I would uh, argue half. But they had the Old Testament at this time. Now, when I read the Old Testament today, it's obvious. Jesus coming, the correlation, the, the picture of the lamb being sacrificed, what that lamb would go through, what was, what was prophesied about the Messiah and Jesus and that it would be for the whole world, it's obvious to me. But this was brand new to them. But he says, it was a revelation revealed to me. I look at it and I'm like, it's obvious. It's obvious. Let me just say, as you seek after God in your situation, right where you are, as you seek after him, and if you seek after him for, be like, God, this is where I'm at. This is what What do you want me to do? You are going to find, what you're going to find is that all of a sudden, God's speaking to you about it. You know, it's really weird. But when God speaks to me the most is when I'm reading, I'm praying, I'm studying, listening to a book, reading a book, uh, listening to a podcast. But here's what I would say. This is, this is the weird part. You're like, that's not weird at all. I would say about 80% of the time, what God speaks to me has nothing to do with what I'm reading or listening to. It's completely different. It's completely different. It's almost as if when I draw near to God, He draws near to me. James 4.8 literally says, draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. That if you begin to just draw near to God and be like, God, what do you want me to do? I'm at my job, I'm doing this, I'm at home, I'm here, I'm, 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 with this, I'm with the group, I'm at the school, I'm doing this. What do you want? That God's going to suddenly put something on your heart or a person. And then you just pray and say, God, what? What's that step? And maybe you reach out and just say, hey, I'm thinking and praying for you today. Anything specific? He gives you something specific, and you're like, okay. So you begin to do it. But here's what I know. Be more afraid of doing nothing than doing the wrong thing. God works all things for the good of those that love and serve him. You're not going to embarrass God. He wants to use you. Know what you're for is for. And begin. Start right where you are. You don't need to be older. You don't need to graduate this class, get this degree. Start where you are right now. If you do not use what you have, it will not change because you get something else. It will not change. Begin right now and watch as God begins to lead and use you in new ways. We're all a part of the body. We all have a step that we can take. And that little thing to you might be really big to somebody else. I had somebody this morning come up and just give me a really simple word that the Lord had given to them for me, and it was so needed. It was spot on. And when they shared with me, I could tell that they were like, hey, I just feel like I'm supposed to say this. Um, I know it's kind of strange, and they're usually pretty quiet. Um, It was spot on, and it was huge to me, and it was a reminder to me that God is watching out for me too. And so you might think it's little, but it might be really big to somebody else. I've shared this before, but at the church I went to in, um, in Bible college, 
pastor's up there, probably 2,000 people, 15, 1,800 people in the auditorium. And he stops and he says, I've got a word for someone. Mustard. And everybody does exactly that. Nobody says anything. And he's like, is that for anybody in here? And nobody says anything. And he goes, well, maybe I missed it. I'll let you guys know. All right, and he just keeps right on going. And I'm like, well, that, that, well, that was pretty bold. And the next week, he gets up and he says, hey, some of you were in here uh, last week when I felt God wanted me to share mustard. Just one word. He said, after service, a lady walked up the aisle, was crying before she even got to me, and she said, I came to church feeling completely unseen and unnoticed by anybody, but especially God, she said. I said, God, do you even notice me? That, that was what I prayed today. She said, but when you said mustard, she goes, I had sprayed mustard in my eye and it's still burning. She goes, I was embarrassed to say anything, but she goes, the minute that you said mustard, I knew that God saw me, that he loved me. And she begins to just go through this list of what one word meant to her. So let me just encourage you. What you do or what you feel God's leading you to do might seem so small and insignificant. But if he can use one word, mustard, <laughs> to reveal his heart to someone, he can use that thing that he has for you to do. I hope that you feel emboldened today to take the passion, the thing that God has put on the inside of you and begin to do something. If you don't know what that thing is, begin to serve right where you are. We've got growth track. It happens every single month. First Sunday of the month will help you to know what that is and discover those spiritual gifts and, and how you can use them to make a difference. But I hope you don't wait, but you start today. Yeah. But if you're here today, maybe your first step is you just, you just need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You're like, I've, I, I don't even have a relationship with him. And here's the thing. You can know, you can believe that there's a God all the way to hell. The Bible says it like this, that even the demons, they, they know his name. They tremble. Like, but it ain't doing them any good. The question is, is, have you made him the Lord of your life? And have you asked him to forgive you and make you new? If you have not done that, today is your day. Today is the day that you can make him the Lord of your life, be forgiven, set free, and begin to walk out the plan and purpose that he has for you. So if that's you with every head up, every eye open, and everyone looking around, if today you say, you know, today's the day I want to make the Jesus the Lord of my life, I want to, I'm not going to wait it any longer. I'd love the honor of praying with you. So if that's you, count three, I'm going to ask you to just lift your hand so we can all see. But what you're doing is you're saying, God, I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free. And today, I'm yours. If that's you, shoot up one, two, three right now. Say, today is my day. Anyone? Okay. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. 
God, we do not want to just be consumers. We don't want to just be hearers of the word, but we want to be doers. God, we are encouraged by you and your word to do. God, define our four. We thank you for the gifts and passions of every single person in here. Some have been waiting for a green light to go. Well, today, this is it. Today is your green light. Go. Now you know. God, our desire is to be more afraid of doing nothing than doing the wrong thing. Your word says that you can work all things for the good of those that love and serve you. So we say we will, God. Use us, lead us, and guide us in all that we do. We're so grateful and thankful to be your hands and feet. And we're thankful that you can use us and continue to move in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.